The first TED conference took place over 30 years ago. A man by the name of Richard Wurman noticed that there had been a powerful convergence of three fields, technology, entertainment and design, thus TED. To begin with, it was an invitation-only annual event in California, but the idea spread, especially with the creation first of TED Global, there were conferences here in Edinburgh in 2011, 12 and 13, and then of TEDx, a radical opening up of the format to local, independently organised events. There will be a TEDx conference here in Portobello this coming May. But what's it like to take part in such an event? Well, this past Tuesday, there was one at Edinburgh University, run by students, and it's now an annual event. The person chosen to open the conference, its first speaker, was the psychologist and Portobello resident Nick Child. His theme was Being a Maverick. But how did he come to be invited in the first place? I got an email, a lovely seductive email, from a student who works where I work in Bright Light Relationships Counselling in Dundas Street. She had spotted that I'd got some ideas and energy and had written about various campaigning kinds of topics. She was most persuasive. (laughs) (laughs) So basically you said yes. Absolutely. But that gives you a challenge because TED Talks follow something of a formula, don't they? Mm -hmm. How did you cope with following the pattern? I didn't really need a lot of further encouragement to work out what I wanted to make my topic because that's a key part of the TED talk is that you choose your own passionate topic and then you send in a draft, they send in back some comments about it, usually positive and then they say uh, most people find it helps. We arrange these uh, speech coaches and we have these rehearsals lined up They don't order you to come, but you are persuaded again that it's a really good idea. And of course, even an old codger like me, (laughs) who hasn't been trained at all in making speeches, it was just the wonderful experience of going to meet the speech coach. And I said, I've got this wonderful text and I've got these wonderful slides. And so I don't want you to say anything against it. And she said about a dozen things that could be improved, and I'm the sort of person who's very open to improvement, and it was massively improved by the first speech coach. I'm presuming that's Mel Sherwood, who uh, is a former resident of of Portobello. But the great thing is that she has a lot of professional experience of helping very senior people prepare speeches to make them more effective and to help you with your self-confidence. Did, yeah. did you feel that you got that sort of build-up? The kind of key things that I got from her were to think of yourself as the visual aid, not the slideshow. And then the second thing that she was saying is, what is your message? And I hadn't really thought, what is my message? And so she helped me identify what I was trying to say. And then the third thing that was really important, she says, uh, you, you say I and me a lot, use much more you and us and we and you want to know and what do you think so what was your message i wanted to inspire people to love the maverick in themselves and in others so what do you mean by that um okay you devoted a 15 minute talk to exactly explain <laughs> that but just give me a hint of why people should love the maverick within themselves my own story was of being a maverick in the sense of not following the crowd, being respectful of the crowd, but trying to say there must be easier ways to say these things, this psychoanalytical jargon, this psychiatric jargon. This isn't about people. And so I was constantly searching for the personal in my job, in my teams and so on. And then the reason I was particularly keen on it was because I myself 
was making a big mistake where I wasn't being maverick enough. I was prejudiced and ignorant about certain things, including discovering that a, a pattern, a family pattern called parental alienation was not to be dismissed, that it was real and devastating. I was keen to use this mistake of dismissing it and then discovering I shouldn't have dismissed it as an illustration of not being maverick enough. That must be quite relevant to that specific student audience in particular because what you're encouraging them to do is to think outside the narrow confines which academia tends to push you down. Absolutely. It's just the most thrilling experience was actually not producing my talk. It was to see how this particular TEDx group were enthusiastic about TEDx precisely because they're on such tram lines even more than we were in our day. And they could see that this vehicle to find a passion of their own, a topic of their own, to speak on it, this seems to me perhaps missing from their tramline courses and training and culture. This was a delight at so many levels to be invited and join in with this and then not to have to organise any. They organised it all, including my training. So here I was, an old codger, learning for the first time through their enterprise and their organisation. Stuff that I've never actually, nobody's ever bothered to teach me, partly because I am a maverick and I've always been heading outwards away from those who might have tried to train me better in these things. Running headlong away from convention, so to speak. Yes. I'm always a constructive maverick. I'm always trying to help the parent body through my constructive criticism and feedback and enterprise. Parent bodies tend not to listen very much, though, but I keep trying. You sound as though you really enjoyed the experience of the TEDx talk. Absolutely, massively. It was just like a dream. For example, my last job that I plan to do before I peg out is to go back as a student, as a pretend student, to use the library and sit there and study my favourite philosopher, John McMurray, to kind of rehabilitate him because for some reason he was not taken to the heart of philosophy. I may never do anything, I might do a course, I might do something else, but the idea of sitting there with all these young people with my laptop and going to have coffee in the Middle Meadow Walk bistros is just a wonderful dream. And this was like a a sudden precursor to that dream. And real people, real young people, were um, looking after me and encouraging me and valuing me and coming up in the breaks at at the day to ask me about what wisdom did I have about pursuing a career in clinical psychology and valuing my thoughts about political correctness. It was like I had, um, for the day, had become an authority on these things that they were interested in. Of course, TEDx doesn't just happen within the world of academia. There is also a TEDx here in Portobello itself, which I have to say I'm, I'm rather looking forward to. But would you have any advice to the people who are preparing for that? The advice is just to say yes and and enjoy the ride. A lot of what I experienced is presumably part of the TEDx package, whoever is doing it. I I guess that the, the university TEDx does stuff that other TEDx's don't because they throughout the year, make a whole programme of courses and training that I imagine the Porti TEDx perhaps doesn't yet do. And that's obviously to students who are developing their ideas and careers, and they're energetic and unspoiled, whereas us old folk in Portobello, <laughs> older folk, might need a bit more encouragement. But I would just say I, I am old, and I've just absolutely... Words fail me. 
about the whole experience of what I've done and learned and what I've seen and taken part of. And uh, I imagine the Porti culture is um, not that far off the university young people's culture. So basically grab it with both hands. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Everybody should do it. Nick Charles, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.